Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm here with Pastor Merritt. Today we'll be looking at the doctrine of liberty versus license. There'll be an outline up that you can click on and follow along, which we encourage you. You know, to go to westbankbiblechurch.com uh, or you should be able to see it on the podcast as a link. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1.9 as may or may not be necessary. Father, we're grateful that we have 1 John 1.9 to use in order that we might be taught simply name sin back as God the Holy Spirit shows us and we will therefore on the promise of the word be taught in Jesus name I pray amen there are essential matters concerning which a Christian may not compromise and then there are the non-essentials or what we sometimes call gray areas. The essentials involve specific prohibitions in the Word of God. There are non-essentials, like using expletives, drinking alcohol in moderation, praying out loud over your food rather than praying silently, Although these non-essentials are not prohibited in the Word, on occasion they may become offensive to a fellow believer. Even socializing with certain people who do questionable things may be offensive to others. There are many essentials mentioned in Scripture that demand separation. That is to say, separation from those who are using such. Many such essentials are obvious, like idolatry, crime, drunkenness, etc. But there are other subtle essentials requiring separation, such as legalism. Let me give you Romans 16, 17, and 18 as a, and a couple of examples. Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Often the non-essential conduct of others demands separation and it is here that discernment and expertise on the part of fellow Christians are required. 
the application of liberty versus license will become perspicuous as you ingest and metabolize the Bible doctrine. We have an obligation to be discerning and expert. This doctrine relates to two specific non-essentials found in scriptures. There will no doubt be more than two encountered as we live our Christian lives. Paul, in his epistle to Corinth and Rome, establishes principles we should follow as we become more, quote, our brother's keeper. This doctrine will teach that a Christian may need to eschew certain conduct permitted by the scripture, but because of the ignorance of our neighbor, certain restraints may be required of non-essentials. In the faith, there are all levels of Christian growth. People are constantly moving toward and away from spiritual maturity. Liberty versus license is best taught in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 33, and Romans 14, 12 through 21. David teaches of those scriptures first as an overview, and then we will develop some principles a little more specifically later. I will start with 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 13. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and there is no God but me. I'm sorry, but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there indeed are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and although whom we live. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful, however, 
that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother, for whom Christ died, is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause him to fall. Continue with 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 through 33. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the market without raising questions or of conscience. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat what is ever put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for conscience sake. The other man's conscience, I mean, not yours, for why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. And then Romans chapter 14 verse 12 through 21. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus... I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads us to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. 
all food is clean. But it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. Let's take a look at the background of these passages that were partially quoted and totally quoted in some cases. There were great idolatrous temples in Corinth with the cafe, temple, and fornication area. There was also a meat market outside the temple where meat was sold. Many Christian converts came from these idolatrous religious backgrounds into the city of Corinth to worship. Many of these converts had strong feelings about the practices associated with the idol worship and their rule in the abominations. They were offended by anyone who would eat at the temple cafe or buy meat in the market outside the temple. There were, on the other hand, Believers who saw nothing wrong with buying the meat, since to their mind there was no such thing as an idol, and therefore, why not? A schism developed over this matter, which for some was an essential, and for others, a liberty. Paul was apparently asked to adjudicate this matter. So let's see what he had to say, David. Principles. He begins his judicial opinion by asserting that knowledge of doctrine carries with it certain responsibilities. This we put in a doctrine called liberty versus license. For example, 1 Corinthians 8, 1. Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Gnosis. Knowledge, gnosis in the Greek, puppeth up. But charity, agape in the Greek, edifieth. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. He then teaches that an idol is nothing. And therefore the group partaking of the meat is on solid doctrinal ground, technically speaking. 1 Corinthians 8, 4, 5, and 6 gives example. So then about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. But for even if there are so-called little g gods, whether in heaven or on earth, 
as indeed there are many little g gods and many lords. Yet, for us, there is but one God, God the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Paul next, however, concludes that not everyone has this maturity level and that there are those who are offended, though in error. 1 Corinthians 8, 7 There is not in every man the knowledge that idols are nothing. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. Or so says 1 Corinthians 8, 7. The great apostle then opines that eating or not eating does not recommend, excuse me, recommend anyone to God. 1 Corinthians 8, 8. But meat commendeth us not to God for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we do not eat are we the worse. Paul then issues the bitter medicine to the eaters. Refrain, excuse me, refrain from eating because of your weaker brother. Some have trouble with this. I have one of my kin who was one of those types. He used to say, I don't care what they say. I'm going to eat. Blah, 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 blah. Notice there were those who thought like that in the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Be careful, however, that the exercise, exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. We may have liberty to do something but there's never a general license. Each situation requires discernment, thus Bible doctrine in the soul. In verse 8.13, Paul explains why. And I shall read, Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, 
so that I will not cause him to fall. In verses, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 33, Paul uses this same example to teach flexibility and how Christianity is not an easy relationship to apply in time. When you go to the meat market, says Paul, don't ask whether this meat has been sacrificed to idols or not. That is, whether it's sacrificed to idols or not sacrificed to idols. Notice 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 25. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Thus the statement, Am I my brother's keeper? I heard that from one of our visitors one day in our local church. It is okay to eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. And I guess, David, in a way we are our brother's keeper then, huh? He then continues, Do you want the meat to be the issue to the outside world, or do you want Christ to be the issue? Do not, for example, make this an issue before the clerk in the store. Just buy what you want. Paul then asks, What if someone asks you to dinner? Now it gets complicated, David. Mm-hmm. Paul then asks, What if someone asks you to dinner? Is the meat going to be the subject of the conversation? Or should, well, should it? I hope not, says Paul. 1 Corinthians 10.27 If some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. What, however, if the unbeliever hosts ask you about eating the meat? as though he or she is testing you. Do not eat, says Paul. 1 Corinthians ten twenty-eight and 29. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for your sake. The other man's conscience, I mean not yours. For why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience is the question. And many take offense at such scrutiny. But you must be flexible, says Paul. Make Christ the issue and not the meat. First Corinthians 10 31, 32, and 33. 
Whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even if I try to please everybody in every way, or even as, said Paul, I do try to please everybody in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. The same lesson is taught by Paul to the church at Rome. Here, however, and now it gets a little sticky, David, in contemporary America. Here, however, the drinking of wine is added to the teaching example. None of us can live our lives unto ourselves. You must not judge others, but rather judge yourself, says Paul, so that you do not offend a weaker brother in Christ. Notice Romans fourteen thirteen. We'll find that wine is added as we read on. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Paul tells, excuse me, <coughs> Paul tells those in the church at Rome that there are weaker brothers out there that we may not even know about and we may run into them. Romans 14, 14 and 15, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat or wine, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with the meat or wine for whom Christ died. Under the same principle of not Casting your pearls before swine, we must not let that which is, and here is an important word, a non-essential, but a correct principle, be ridiculed by the ignorant Christian. That is to say, don't let it be ridiculed by an ignorant, ignorant Christian one without the knowledge that you might have. Romans fourteen sixteen and 17, here we go. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. By correctly applying this doctrine, we can be approved of both God and man, but it does require, and this is an important word, flexibility. Romans 14, 18, 19, and 20. 
For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. Now we have in the 20th century an example of wine added to the meat list. Notice Romans again. 1421, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine. For anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. David, how about giving us a few conclusive points or points of conclusion? Excuse me. It is certainly true we live our lives unto the Lord. It is also true, however, that living the Christian life also includes applying impersonal love toward all people, but especially fellow believers. We, then that are strong, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but, as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. The, text of, the test of flexibility is very difficult because many weak believers and unbelievers may try to impose their standards on you and you may be tempted to react. Our job is to relax and let doctrine have a chance to change us all and this demands flexibility concerning the non-essentials. That concludes Liberty versus License, and I hope I never go into a really good smoked barbecue place and somebody tells me they're going to have some sacrament for this uh, meal we're about to eat because I'm about to go outside and sneak around the back and order for myself. (laughs) But that's not our problem. Our problem is, uh, in current day, really, is going to be uh, the alcohol, and it's just being a poor witness, you know, which, of course, we're all guilty of, but it's in our behaviors, uh, and it's in our attitude, and it's a reflection of us. Uh, and so we have to be very cautious and cognizant of what we're doing, uh, because we're not a we're not an island, you know, yeah. like out there in the NFL and the cornerback. It's not an island. We, we live in the groups. Amen. Uh, very good lessons. Pastor Merrick, could you... Lead us in a closing prayer. Father, we are grateful for the fact that you have covered so many wonderful scriptures and had given the opportunity to record many different lessons about many different subjects. So I would ask that you would help us to continue our endeavors in uh, teaching the word via podcast in view of our, quote, semi-retirement, close quote. 
Now, I would certainly ask if you have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and thus been saved, you would do that right now. Just remembering that uh, he died for the sins of each and every one of us. Sin is no longer an issue. But the issue is, what think ye of Christ? So uh, the Holy Spirit will make this clear. Our job is just simply to get to get the word of salvation out and uh, let the Holy Spirit do his job. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So until next time, so long.